Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Uh, as, as I said earlier, and as most of you know, uh, if you've been here this month, we, uh, we've been trying to kick off 2024 by slowing ourselves down. We've been trying to build Sabbath into our lives, and tonight we are concluding that journey. And so, so far, if you've been here, uh, we've talked about our need to recommit. We've talked about our need to rest. Last week, we talked about our need to remember and reset. Um, we've read from Psalms. We've read from Ecclesiastes. Last week, we read one of my favorite passages from the Bible, from 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and tonight, we are finishing up with a text from 2 Kings. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in. If you've got your Bibles, you can pull those out. If you've got a Bible app on a cell phone. Uh, I'm going to read this scripture first, and I'll go ahead and tell you that we're going to come back and I'm going to explain it because it is a text that requires some explanation. Uh, so this is 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 35 through 41. This is what it says. It says, The Lord had made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not worship other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall worship the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to him and him and to him you shall sacrifice. The statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandments that he wrote for you, you shall always be careful to observe. You shall not worship other gods. You shall not forget the covenant that I have made with you. You shall not worship other gods, but you shall worship the Lord your God. He will deliver you out of the hand of all of your enemies. They would not listen, however, but they continued to practice their former custom. So these nations worshiped the Lord, but also served their carved images. To this day, their children and their children's children continue to do as their ancestors did. Okay, like I said, our scripture is one that needs a little bit of background, a little bit of explanation for us to fully appreciate what the author is, is trying to say. So first let me tell you where we are at this point just in the Old Testament. At this point, King David has uh, united the 12 tribes of Israel, which was quite the accomplishment. He's brought them together and they are now one kingdom. But then King David dies, and his son Solomon rises up to be the king. And he's over this uh, kingdom, and that's really the beginning of the book of Kings. Now, in our Bibles, in, in all of our Bibles, First and Second Kings are two separate books. But originally, it was just one book. And that book told the story of Solomon and all of the kings that followed him and, and how they did, whether they were good rulers were bad rulers. And spoiler alert, they were really bad rulers. Uh, for instance, this kingdom, very early on in Kings, splits from one kingdom into two. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, and there's the southern kingdom of Judah. So Kings tells us about all these rulers of these two kingdoms and how the vast majority of them are wicked men. Kings tells us that uh, for the southern kingdom, they had 20 kings, and eight of them were fine or okay, good, decent. Eight out of 20. As for the northern kingdom, out of their 20 kings, they had zero. 
There's not one single king that ruled over that kingdom that, that the book of Kings describes as righteous or anything good. They were all corrupt, all evil. In fact, there's such terrible kings that eventually the Assyrian Empire moves in and they conquer this northern kingdom and they scatter all of the people living there. And those that were left start practicing a form of syncretism. And that's just a really fancy word that means they were kind of blending religions. They were bouncing from one religion to the other. They were worshiping the God of Israel, but also other gods as well. And that broke the covenant that the Israelite people had made with God. And so the Lord is trying to reach out to them. He's trying to, to get them back, to remind them of their promise. Earlier in the same chapter, he even sends lions, but nothing's working. And that is what our scripture is getting at. Remember what we, we just read. The author reminds them of their covenant, of the promise they made to God, and then it says, but they would not listen. However, they continued to practice their former customs. So these nations worshiped the Lord, but also served their carved images. Okay, now I know that is a lot to digest. But to put it very simply tonight, I want us to ask ourselves, how often do we do the same thing that these people in Israel did? How often do we make a covenant, a promise, a commitment only for us to fall back into old patterns. Only for us to slip up. That's what the people in our scripture had done. While they were still worshiping God, they were also worshiping lots of other things. They would be obedient. They would do the right thing, and then they wouldn't. And we see that. Last a really long time. They're just going in circles. And again, I think for so many of us, we do this. We revolve. Maybe for you, it's one of your New Year's resolutions. I read uh, this week that only 5% of people make it the whole year with their New Year's resolutions. And I've read that a large majority of people don't even make it to February. <laughs> I've been guilty of that many times. Maybe you have been. Or maybe it's with this Sabbath thing that we've been discussing the whole series. Whatever it is, we all commit to things. We make covenants, we make promises. We say, we're gonna do this thing, and then we mess up. We end up falling back into an old pattern. We, we wanna do the right thing, but we get discouraged. And so we end up sort of waffling between two things, the thing we wanna do and what we end up doing. We go in circles and we revolve. I'll tell you a story about a time that I did this. It was like a year ago. And I was at Chicken and Pickle in Grapevine uh, with some friends. I've been telling a lot of pickleball stories lately, but in this one I don't get injured, so. <laughs> if you've never been to Chicken and Pickle, it's basically like this huge venue, restaurant, place, and they've got pickleball courts, and they've got giant Jenga, and they've got shuffleboard courts, uh, and it's a really fun place. Well, we decided we were gonna rent out one of the shuffleboard courts, uh, because I love shuffleboard. Anyway, we were playing, uh, and we set up on the court, and right next to us, there was this huge group of probably fifth or sixth grade boys, and they were running around like crazy. Like five minutes into our game, they walked over and they grabbed the pucks from our game and started throwing them at each other. And then they ran up and they grabbed the sticks. I don't really know what those are called, but they grabbed our sticks and they started sword fighting with them. 
And we asked for them back, but they would just say, they would just scream no and run away. <laughs> and so it was pretty chaotic. Uh, but I told myself, you know what? I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to hold my tongue. After all, these are just kids. And so I did. Well, luckily, one of the assistant managers noticed what was going on. And she tried to get the kids to give us our stuff back, but they wouldn't listen. And so she went to the next level and went and found the dad of these kids, uh, of the kid whose party this was. And he walks over, and pretty quickly, it, I put together that he's not a very friendly person. Uh, he started chewing out this assistant manager who was like a college student. And he's yelling about how, you know, he deserves both courts and how they're theirs, even though the system, uh, their system was showing that that was the case. And during this whole thing, I'm, I'm, I'm standing there telling myself, Sam, be patient, be gracious, hold your tongue. And I did. I did good. In fact, after he finished chewing on this poor worker and us, I said, you know what, you can have the court. We'll go find something else. Uh, and I thought that he would be grateful for this, that he would thank me for, for giving him this court that we paid for. Uh, but he did not. He just marched off angrily. Anyway, I was frustrated, and, but I was proud of myself too. I had resisted the urge to say some of the things that I wanted to say to this guy. Uh, because that, if I've talked about this before, but that is one of my personal struggles. Sometimes I speak before I think. I, my tongue can be a restless evil, as James says. And, and so I was proud of myself that I had kind of uh, stopped myself from doing that. I'm, I'm trying to be better about that. Anyway, we went to the other side and we, we ordered some food. But this guy was on a tear. This dad was on a tear. And so he walks over. And now he's arguing with the other manager. And he's screaming at him. And I'm just kind of cooking, you know. And finally he gets done with that manager and he walks back. And I see that he's going to walk right by us. And I just couldn't help myself. Right as he walked by, I said, you're welcome, man. And he did not take that well. Um, he got very fired up, started coming toward me. He asked me if I had a problem. And I was like, no. And I diffused the situation as best I could. And Yet again, he marched away, but as soon as he left, I looked over at my wife, Hannah, and she was just shaking her head at me. And she was doing that because I had revolved. I held my tongue. I was patient. I was gracious. But then I wasn't. I just had to make that snarky comment. And you know what? It didn't help anything. It didn't make anything any better. That guy and his whole party ended up getting escorted out like 30 minutes later because they had more conflicts with more people. But I look back on that and I see that I, I slipped up. I fell back into an old pattern of behavior that, that I'm trying to work on. And I think so many of us do this from time to time. Now, maybe your challenge is, is different than mine. Maybe Maybe it's not your tongue. Maybe, like I said, it's, it's whatever your New Year's commitment was. But we all have things that we want to improve, things that, that we want to commit ourselves to, things we want to do better. Uh, but we also all slip up. We make mistakes. We fall back into our old ways. 
That's what had happened to those left in the northern kingdom. They had broken their covenant. They had slipped back into some bad behavior. And the problem wasn't that they made a mistake because again, we all fall short. The problem was they were going in circles. They would worship God, but then they would go worship these false idols. They would vacillate back and forth. And nothing that God was doing was convincing them to break this cycle and to follow God alone. And so that is one of the things that we have to look out for when we say we're going to make time to rest. Uh, When we commit ourselves to that, we've got to make sure that we don't make that commitment and then as soon as we slip up, abandon it. Oh, I tried, it failed. Oh, well. We've got to make sure that we don't just revolve. Because what we really need to do is resolve. That's what our text is is trying to get the people to do. It's trying to get them back on track. To get them to resolve and, and rededicate themselves back to the God that had freed them from Egypt. The God that had walked with them through the wilderness. The God that had fed them manna. The, the God that had been there every step of the way. Rather than, than just watch them go around in circles, the author of Kings wants them to recommit themselves to this covenant that they made with God. And that's what God wants for us too. Look, this whole month we've been talking about commitments that we want to make for 2024. How we want to be a people who live life at a slower, uh, more intentional pace. And I really do hope that this has been a useful series for us. I hope that, that it has been fruitful. But at the end of the day, as we conclude this 24-6 series, the truth is there are no magic words that I can say. There is nothing that I can do up here that will make us do it. There's, there's no magic words that I can say that's gonna guarantee that Sabbath rest or whatever it is you've committed to to try and being better this year. There's nothing that can force us to do it except resolving to do it. We just have to choose to do it. The people that the author of Kings is writing to, they were not resolved. They were trying to have it both ways, to worship the God of Israel, to worship these idols, to go back and forth, revolving, going in circles. But you know what? That never gets us anywhere. We end up right back where we started. You can't go half-heartedly into following God. You can't go half-heartedly into being the disciple that he's calling you to be. You have to resolve to do it. You have to, to figure out what it is that God is calling you to, how he wants you to live your life, at what pace he wants you to live your life. And then you've got to go. And again, that does not mean that we're not going to mess up because... We are. That does not mean that we're not going to make the occasional snarky comment to someone on the shuffleboard court. What it does mean is that every time we slip up, every time we notice ourselves revolving, going in circles, falling back into old ways, old patterns of behavior, we course correct. We resolve. We we get back on track. We try and keep our commitment. We try and keep our promise. And that takes a lot of inner fortitude. That takes determination. 
that takes resolve. But when we find that, I think that there is, is just about nothing we can't do. I read a great speech this week uh, that William McRaven gave at a graduation in 2014 for the University of Texas. If you don't know who McRaven is, he was the commander of the United States Special Forces. He was also chancellor of the University of Texas system, the largest uh, university system in the country for several years. And uh, in 2014, he gave this speech to all of these students in Austin who are about to go off to a new stage of life. And he spoke to them about his SEAL training, about becoming a U.S. Navy SEAL, which uh, that training is regarded, of course, as the toughest in the world. And I just want to read you the story that he shared with these graduates, graduates about the importance of resolve, the, the importance of keeping your commitment, holding to, to the thing that you really want. This is what he said. He said, the ninth week of SEAL training is referred to as Hell Week. It is six days of no sleep, constant physical and mental harassment, and one special day at the Mud Flats. The Mud Flats are an area between San Diego and Tijuana where the water runs off and creates the Tijuana Sloughs, a swampy patch of terrain where the mud will engulf you. You paddle down to the Mud Flats and spend the next 15 hours trying to survive the freezing cold mud, the howling wind, and the incessant pressure from the instructors to give up. As the sun began to set that Wednesday evening, my training class was ordered into the mud. The mud consumed each man till there was nothing visible but our heads. The instructors told us that we could leave the mud if only five men would quit, just five men, and we could get out of the oppressive cold. Looking around the mud flat, it was apparent that some students were about to give up. It was still over eight hours till the sun came up, eight more hours of bone-chilling cold, the chattering teeth and shivering moans of the trainees were so loud, it was hard to hear anything else. But then, one voice began to echo through the night. One voice raised in song. Now, the song was terribly out of tune, but sung with great enthusiasm. One voice became two, two became three, and before long, everyone in my class was singing. We knew that if one man could rise above the misery that others could as well. The instructors threatened us with more time in the mud if we kept up the singing, but the singing persisted. And somehow, the mud seemed a little warmer, the wind a little tamer, and the dawn not so far away. We could do it. That is resolve. I love the spirit of these young men sticking together, making it through. They weren't going to give up. They were, they were going to keep their commitment. They, they were going to sing in the mud all night if that's what it took. That's toughness. That's resolve. And that's what we need. If we want to be a people who, who keep the commandments of God, if we want to be a people who practice Sabbath well, if we want to be a people who hold our tongue when it's hard to hold our tongue, if we want to be a people who make it through Hell weeks, if we, if we want to do whatever it is God is calling you to do this year in 2024, we have to resolve to do it. And we also have to have the resolve to do it. We have to be willing to push through when, when we're stuck in the mud to sing loudly if we need to. 
Because as much as I wish I could tell you differently, the truth is we're all going to get stuck in mud. We're all going to have tough times. There's, there's going to be a lot of challenges in this life of faith. There are going to be moments when it's just hard to follow God. Not only in practicing Sabbath, but in lots of different commandments. But we've got to do our best to keep our promise. And again, that doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. We are going to mess up. You are going to mess up. I am going to mess up for sure. We're going to revolve from time to time. We're going to find ourselves going in circles. We're not going to be perfect. The key is not that we never slip up. The key is that when we slip up, when we find ourselves revolving, we get back up. We try again. We keep our promise because you know what? God kept his. That's the story of the Old Testament. The Israelites fail time and time again. They follow God and they're faithful and they praise the God of Israel and they're so happy. And then they get off track and they worship golden idols and they complain to God. And they complain about God. They run from God, and this vicious cycle repeats literally dozens of times in the Old Testament. And yet, God still pursues them. God is that, that Navy SEAL sinking in the mud with us, singing out, calling us to hang in there. And you know what? Our God even goes a step further. He redeems us. He becomes one of us so that we might see that when he makes a promise, he'll do anything, even give his life to keep it. That's who our God is. Our God is a God of resolve. Our God is a God who keeps his promise, a God who continually calls us back to him when we have found ourselves going around in circles, falling back into our old ways. He doesn't give up. And he asks us to do the same. He asks us to try again every time we fail. He asks us to be a people of resolve. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we confess that we have many things in our lives that we have been going in circles with. We have many things that, that we want to improve, things that we want to do. And Lord, we have seen ourselves try and fail and try and fail. God, remind us this evening that you call us to resolve, that you call us to toughness, that every time we fail, every time we, we slip up, God, we can always get back up and try again. Lord, as we come to the close of this 24-6 series, I, I pray that, that we would have the resolve to rest. That we would be a people who give ourselves chances to rejuvenate and restore and breathe. Lord, we know that it's gonna be tough. We know that something is always gonna pop up. There's always gonna be a reason to not. God, help us to keep this covenant. Help us to keep the commandment that you gave us. 
God, help us to find time to stop and delight in you. Help us to, to recommit, to rest, to remember, to reset, and to resolve. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.